This is episode 307 of the Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase and Joel will take a look at the most anticipated films of 2020. What will be on their list? This episode starts right now. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee. And uh, thank you for tuning in. If you are a new person that decided to jump in on the Real Me In movie podcast train because you wanted some movie commentary, movie news, whatever, what kind of breakdowns you were looking for, I think you've reached the right thing and uh, hopefully you can stick around. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Uh, This is episode 307. And at this point... Joel and I have been riddled because, you know, we're, we're doing three in one day and we've already recorded 306 and 305 and now we're doing three. No, I'm just kidding. We're doing this one first uh, out of the three. So you're hearing this one last, even though we're doing it first. That's just how we like to roll and mess with your minds. Um, but yes, this is episode 307. Uh, as stated at the top, we will be going over the most anticipated films of 2020. So uh, before I throw it over to uh, Joseph, if you guys could just uh, spread this episode around, let people know about it, you know, just bring the awareness up of uh, Real Me In, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. We always uh, like you guys' support. So, um, and uh, just uh, kind of throw it out there, I am feeling a bit under the weather. So uh, Joel's going to MC all these episodes that we're recording today. So, uh, I'm just letting you know he's gonna he's gonna carry it on his shoulders and he's gonna have to just deal with it. No so, pressure. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Joel, this is our our third one in our you know three three in one or one in three days. I don't even know what we're gonna call it. It's like a it's like a movie podcast it's for, sprint. It's a three for one. It's a three for one. Yeah, three yeah, for it's one a sprint. It, that's yeah. a good that's a good way to put it. It's a, it's a sprint to the end of the year, um, and I mean we're not even just entering a new year. We're entering a new decade, which mm-hmm. is just crazy because, of course, next week I'll be reviewing on my website the first release of the year, and it just fell upon me this week. I'm like, also, this is the first release of the decade. And I don't think that whenever I entered the 2010s, I really had that conception in my mind when I went to see stuff. I don't even know if you remember what the first release releases were of the 2010s, the first weekend, but I do because I remember seeing them. Uh, but I don't think that I had this conception, but Daybreakers mm. um, and Leap Year with um, uh, Amy, Amy Adams. Shadow Island was in February, February right? or March, pretty, pretty, pretty early. Yeah. yeah. And so the first releases, I saw both of those. I saw those the same day. But I don't think I had the conception of, you know, at that point, I was just con- I was just concerned about how it's a new year of, you know, movies that I can see. I had other things on my mind, too. That was a, it was a crazy year. And I don't think that I quite, like, thought of that. But this time... Now that I have a website that I'm properly running, a podcast that I'm co-hosting, all of that, it's sort of more like I'm uh, getting used to the fact that we're entering not only a new year of movies, but a new decade of movies. And it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy. It doesn't even feel like it should be 2020 already, but it is. And as of when people are hearing this, it will be 2020 because we're posting this this coming Wednesday, we're recording on Friday the 27th. We're posting it on the 1st. So you will hear this in the new year. We're recording it at the end of a decade. And it's just crazy because it's been a great year for movies. It's been a great decade for movies. It's going to be a really interesting year for movies, I think, coming up, especially with the five that I've chosen um, being the ones that I'm most excited for. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into the list. It's uh, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome list, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy if you think about it. Started this podcast in 2013. Did started doing all my YouTube stuff like around mm-hmm. the same time. It's been a long like seven yeah. years. Yeah, it has been a long seven years. I've done 300 plus episodes of this bad boy. Yeah, wild. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But you are right though. Getting into the new decade, into the new year, we have. This is like the the stepping stone of the mm-hmm. decade. This is what's going to set up what we're going to see for the next 10 yeah, years. And exactly. I think, especially with my top two picks, they're going to be talked about for ages just because right. of the filmmakers involved. But yeah, you just want to get started into this? Yeah, so I guess uh, I guess you can go first. What is... yeah? So basically, we're just going to be doing as we usually jo- do. Joel, can you, can you look at it's me in fine. my eyes and ask me something very serious? Can you ask me if we are professionals? 
Are we professional? That is absolutely not the case because I wrote everything down on a uh, slimy piece of paper that I found <laughs> at my desk at work. So, uh, no, I did not write it down on a computer well, hey, like Joel. But I've, uh, I've got it. I've got this particular list in my notes on my phone. So, um, and I'm gonna be as we go through these, gonna be um, opening up the pages on IMDb to to actually look at the uh, the premises. I think I have them in my head, but yeah. Uh, so since I'm emceeing, I'll go ahead and you introduced it. I'll take us out of the episode. So you go first on the list. So okay. let us know we're, what we're your doing... number five is. And also, do you want to do through some honorable mentions? First, yeah, like quick? some some movies that maybe people are aware of. Mm-hmm. People might be surprised are not on your list. Maybe that one's just almost made it, just got knocked out. Because there's only five. You can only have right. five choices. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough to to narrow it down. I mean, the, the movie that is, and I'll get to it, but the movie that is my number six, I can't believe is my number six. Like. The, the strength of this particular year, as it seems to be, um, it could have been my in my top two. Right. It could have been one of my top two, but it was pushed to number six. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so just let us know, you know, what are some of the movies leading into it, and then tell us your number five. Okay, so some of the ones that kind of just missed out on the list, you know, we've seen trailers for mm-hmm. uh, even this year, and I've talked highly of them. Antebellum, the weirdo right. Lionsgate horror movie that they're going to s- slap in February. Uh, Wendy. Yeah, yeah. Those one's... are two right outside my top ten. Yeah, right. So, but they they were in there though. I, yeah. I wrote down twelve of them okay. that I'm excited for, and they yeah. they were just the eleven and twelve. And yeah. so for ten through six, I have the way back. Okay, Ben Affleck one. Right. Yeah, looked. I saw the trailer for that. Finally, it looks terrific. Oh, yeah. oh my god, really, it, really looks, it looks yeah. great. Uh, Black Widow. Okay, not on there. Right. Infinite, the Antoine Fuqua, uh, Mark oh, Wahlberg movie right. about the yeah, yeah the okay. the premise sounds really great. If you guys yes. uh, yeah. um, don't know about it. Candyman. I'm surprised that's not on your five. Yeah. You'll I'm, you'll I'm see surprised. what my number five is. Right. You're going to be like, oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Right. <laughs> and then my number six, which uh, I'm sure Pixar is just going to get really uh, furious about because of what my number five is, Soul. I'm looking right. forward to Soul. You know, I had I made a top ten. I guess I'll go ahead and go through my, my ten through mm-hmm. six. My top <clears> ten <throat> is weird. So uh, some of those I did think of, and they just all kind of fell outside the top ten. But so for, like, number ten um, – I had uh, one that is only my number 10 because it's coming out so soon. Uh, literally just in a couple of weeks, and it's Bad Boys for Life, which I just – I can't wait. I, you know, I love these movies. I think uh, – that's, that's my birthday weekend movie. Yeah. Was that two days before? There you go. And it's, it's just because I love the brand of Carnage, even if it's not Michael Bay. Maybe if it was Michael Bay, it would be mm. a little higher, right? And I've got another one of those kinds of things in my 10 through 6. Maybe it'd be the movie would be a bit higher if its original director uh, was in charge of it, but um, but I have that. So my number nine was uh, Dune, which mm. I'm thinking might be on your list. Uh, but and it would be Me, higher. A Denny Villeneuve fan? No, <laughs> come on. Yeah, that's probably the most uh, predictable. And and the thing is, I love sci-fi. It probably mm. should be higher. I think it would be higher if I was. F- and this is weird saying this as a sci-fi fan if i was familiar at all with the novel or the previous adaptations that they made it's gonna be a nice hole to fill next december yes at, with, oh now yeah. star wars is and, not there and honestly it could yeah. be it could very well be that like whenever there's a trailer or something stills and it's getting closer i'm like why was this not on my top five right but just for right now just because we're so far out of it i i have some others that i'm just more we're still a year away, by the way. Right. They're in post-production for an entire year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It comes out December 18th of next year, so they're yes. they're just now getting started. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so can't, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that one. Um, my number eight um, – my, my mind blanked. My mind blanked what my number eight was, but – so I had I had one at number eight that was that was really oh oh I know what it was uh, Nightmare Alley from uh, Guillermo del Toro which mm. is a uh, remake of a film noir about a psychologist I think or a psychiatrist who uh, teams together with a con artist to cheat people out of money uh, and it's a and it's gonna be del Toro doing film noir it's also apparently he said it's extremely R rated it's one of his, it's possibly his most R rated movie. Which is always very exciting. I love R-rated Del Toro's Peerless. He's going to combine uh, pans and Shape of Water. And it's yes, gonna be just exactly. This, just nudity everywhere, violence everywhere, and you're like Del Toro, come. Yes, down. exactly. I mean, that's one that, like, I honestly feel like this is this is one of those things. I feel like I have to explain this. So, 
even though I don't, it should be clear. It's sort of like with our top 10 most anticipated, we're almost like foolishly trying to predict our top 10 right. for the next year. And it, and it obviously, you know, there's going to be some of these that probably will just by, just by laws of average because of the fact that there's so many great filmmakers in charge of them that, you know, Bad Boys in the film that I'm going to uh, list at my number seven um, quickly could be the ones that are like maybe bad because the original directors of their of their previous movies are not in, not in charge of them anymore right. or whatever. But uh, number seven is the movie that probably I think I mentioned before is in my top five. It's Fallen, but it's Top Gun Maverick, which I, mm. I think just looks so good. I'm a huge fan of Top Gun. I'm a huge fan of Tom Cruise when he gets into movie star mode, but – yeah, so that one, and then my number six, the movie. I cannot believe it was like I was sitting there. I was like, I can't believe this is number six. I can't talk about this more in depth. But it's the French Dispatch from director uh, Wes Anderson, which hmm. is has an insane cast. It's uh, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet working together again. It's all of his regulars. It's Christoph Waltz. It's uh, uh, some Wilson, other Bill Murray. Yes, Tilda. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, I can't wait. And it's a story about. Um, journalists working at an American at an out, at a French outlet of an American magazine um, or newspaper, and it's about journalistic ethics apparently. So that's an interesting. That's that's Wes Anderson coming into like his uh, version topical, of the post. Yep. Yeah, his sort of topical. It's going to be Wes Anderson, but it's going to be kind of Wes Anderson by way of all the presidents men or something, which right. is really interesting. But yeah, I mean, like I said, so many movies that I'm looking forward to, and I've whittled it down to five that are really interesting. I don't know how surprising they'll be to people um, in terms of really like – you'll probably think, okay, yeah, that's totally – Joel would look forward to those. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really, really promising. And so, uh, yeah, so tell us your number five. Okay, so uh, do not send any hate mail to Pixar because, you know, I have Soul like right behind it. <laughs> Joel, what is one of the horror franchises I always talk about? Uh, Saw. My number five is the Untitled Saw Project because there's no title for it yet. So um, I don't know anything about it. I just know that Chris Rock is attached, Samuel Jackson. I don't even care. Yeah. This is it. This is my this is my jam right here. I cannot wait for it. And the odd thing is, let me pull it up real quick. It's not coming around uh, Halloween. It's actually May fifteenth. Oh. A very weird release date. Yeah, that for is this movie. Weird. But uh, maybe they're banking on it being a giant blockbuster. Who knows? But yeah, I just uh, I've always loved the Saw franchise. I don't care what anyone says. I've it, it's so hard to follow with the detective story. No, it's not. It's not hard to follow. Now, if you were to argue with me, like they should have stopped at three, I would probably agree with you because right. three is where they did they, they did stop at three. No other movies exist. Yeah, yeah, four, four through seven. But yeah, because uh, Lee Winnell like specifically did one through three as a a contained thing, mm-hmm. and then of course um, the two writers you know came and did four through seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darren Lynn Bowsman and um, what's his name? I don't know, but they I were the same the guys other, that did like yeah, the Collector yeah, yeah, series. Yeah, but I know Bowsman's one of them, right? And so, you know, it, is it going to probably be terrible? Probably, but uh, I, for one, enjoyed Marcus Dunstan. That's his name. Okay, yeah, um, I enjoyed Jigsaw, the mm. the previous one. Right. Um, I don't know. I just I, I've always grown up with those movies. Uh, I still remember sitting there at the age of twelve. Uh, when I saw the first saw and then the the reveal at the end, I was like, "Oh my god!" Because that's I didn't even read about it. I didn't know anything about it going in. So like, uh, sorry guys, this movie's seventeen years old. So you know, uh, but when Jigsaw like gets up out of the room and you know uh, Lee Winnell's like sitting in the corner like all freaked out. So mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Carrie Ellis. Yeah, yeah. Carrie. Uh, <laughs> footless Carrie Ellis. I'm just like, oh, oh. He was there the whole time, like, and so um, my twelve year old brain uh, just loved that stuff. But no, I've I've enjoyed it. It's um, it's it's a twist that I love. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's still it a twist it's that's a twist. great. I, and, I love it. And here's the thing, though, like I know they're not like highbrow entertainment, but the right. thing is with them, it's you know, it's just a fun like little detective story that you just follow, and it's just yeah. every installment, every Halloween each year. I'm, I looked forward. I to I mean, it. I will say the first three are a step above something like Hostel to me, which is right. just which is just mindless. It, it's yeah, really. The 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 thinnest like xenophobic kind of um, plot line there, where it's the other it's frightening and it's xenophobic in itself. Saw movies are are just fun. They're trying to be more, and I think that that's why they're a little bit better. They At were, least the ones that I've seen. They uh, remind yeah. me of like uh, like kind of the seventies, kind of sixties or eighties era of horror films, where like some of them were made for like ten bucks, mm-hmm, and it's yeah. uh, like 
don't go in there or the evil refrigerator, like the <laughs> the stuff that you would find at video rental stores. You're like, this was made. This was right. a movie. <laughs> and I feel like Saw is just like, you know, if you were one of those lucky people to attach yourself to it back in the day and you grew mm-hmm. up with it, then uh, God bless you. Because it's such a great feeling. You know, like every single Halloween, my friend and I, we would go see Saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite experiences. Joel, have you ever seen the five pound bag of Sour Patch Kids? Those really huge bags. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. So we bought it. Oh. I strapped it to my gut, and I put a belt around my body. And I swear to you, I think the people at the, the box office were just like, probably thinking I was just like some fat person. And then once I got <laughs> in the theater, I un- loosened the belt, and like it just plopped on the, the floor. And I was like, yeah, I did that. Uh, so, <laughs> Dear God. Uh, there, yeah, and I'm sure I got diabetes that day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, Untitled Saw Project. And I think the the most interesting thing, and it's not just because it saws, its name is on there because I was going to go see it regardless. I want to know what Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson right. are even doing with this project. Right. I know Sam does everything like from direct TV movies and then you know of course Marvel, but like Chris Rock, mm-hmm. this is the one you choose after like <laughs> you've done a couple of Netflix films with Adam Sandler, but like this is your first big theatrical one you want to do. Right. So I'm on board. Yeah, and uh, uh, spoiler, it's not on my list. You know, I don't have the emotional. Oh, really? Is it not? The, right. I don't have the emotional attachment to the series that Chase does. I've I've only seen the first three, and I've watched them way back in 2007. So I'm, I, you know, and I I don't remember them that well. I remember the first one the most, but um, I should also before I get in my number five, I should just give a caveat because uh, he mentioned it's untitled Saw Project. I decided to exclude anything without a title, mm. and the reason is because I find that. Um, and maybe it's not all the time, but I find that usually what happens with untitled stuff is they actually, now this one's confirmed, but this would be an exception to that. But usually untitled stuff then comes out the following year. So it, it feels safer to go right. someone, something that has a title. Now, of course, this is coming any out of in these, five months. So like, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 they've got to figure out a title soon. Uh, I'm sure that they're going to sure start with the first trailer. It'll be yeah, revealed. exactly. And so. But for my list, I just decided, you know what, it's easier to go with title because otherwise I would have Paul Thomas Anderson's project that he's got mm-hmm. with the high schoolers. I would have Jonathan Glazer's new project, which is a Holocaust movie that he's making. But neither of those have titles. They are they are also filmmakers that, that take, their time. take their time a little bit. So Paul Thomas Anderson could easily come out the next year. And I'm just not prepared for that. So I, I did I th- go. I, th- I think the only reason you're doing that is because we got screwed over two years in a row with the Irishman. Right. Right. <laughs> so we have to be very careful. Like what is confirmed to come out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to take a drink and then I'll tell you my number five. All right. So my number five uh, comes from a director I love who does a lot of pastiche projects. He will call back to other directors and then poke fun at them. Uh, in a certain way. And this movie is one that is going to be pastiche because he is calling back to directors, but it's going to be in a more serious direction. And it's an interesting uh, direction for Edgar Wright to go in. And I have Last Night in Soho, uh, which comes out in September, I believe. And this is the story of a young fashion ingenue played by Thomas and McKenzie, who somehow gets transported back into 1960s Paris and meets her idol, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, I believe, unless it's in reverse. Pretty sure it's not. But um, but this is just, I mean, I love Wright. He doesn't make anything but great movies. I've been a fan of his from the beginning, and he's never let me down, even like remotely. I think the lowest rating I've ever given anything of his, no, I've, I've only given A's. So <laughs> that gives you an idea. Uh, my favorite of his is The World's End. Um, and then it's... Agreed. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the deepest of his movies. It's the most... It's the funniest, I think, actually, too. Uh, and that's saying something because he makes really funny movies. This is him going in a different direction. And it's actually kind of interesting because it, it involves a couple of pretty awkward comparisons. The plot re- recalls <laughs> um, Midnight in Paris, <laughs> which, you know, it's Woody Allen. And then he's also he's also described it as sort of a Polanski riff. So that's going to be that's gonna be awkward to tiptoe around for the rest of the year to talk about that. But whatever the case, the plot sounds great. I mean, it sounds very... Um, uh, very much in sort of the 60s, you know, kind of ballsy Hollywood <laughs> uh, arena with uh, with stuff that they made or outside Hollywood with, with uh, Polanski, like Repulsion and all of that. It just sounds like a total blast in a different way from what Edgar Wright's movies have been before. And I love this guy. I want him to make movies for the rest of his life. I just think that he is 
such a fastidious and astute director of, of tone um, and of concepts. He takes concepts and he opens them up like flowers and it's he never lets the audience down, in my opinion. Um, there are people who resist his style. I don't understand them. I'm, And that's one of those things where like, you know, usually I can understand. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can't like Edgar Wright. Um, I, think I, I was blown away at, at 17 years old when I saw it in the the theater because when I worked at the theater at the time I didn't think they would get it mm-hmm. because it's not doesn't play well to American audiences but when Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. came to the theaters I went and I think there was maybe two other people in the audience I had a blast I was mm-hmm. like who is this guy and so from that point on I've just been yeah. following him oh yeah and it's great I mean it's uh, one of the best zombie movies ever but it's also a really really funny takedown of zombie movies and all the tropes and it's the same thing with Hot Fuzz I mean it clearly loves Bad Boys yep, and Bad Boys 2, but it's also mercilessly making fun of Michael Bay's kind of explosive stuff and and yet making a really good action movie too. I, just this guy just doesn't – he doesn't lose and I think that uh, you know this is um, – this should be an interesting new direction for his for his career. There, there, um, there is a part of me that wish that he did Ant-Man just yeah. so he can have oh, more yeah. opening I mean doors. it's the reason – I think it wasn't like the reason he became a filmmaker. He wanted to make an Ant-Man movie or something. So it's just like – and then they didn't, they didn't they, allow he had, to he, do it. From that was made in you know starting production in like 2014, 2013, mm-hmm. right? If he would have made this movie, his career would have been booked up until oh, yeah. this point instead of just doing like Baby Driver and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's a tragedy. I think that I think that they should have let him take the reins, especially now because they've. And I th- I feel like it was probably the change because wasn't there a change of like a producer who then was a little a little more a little kinder to directors with vision and Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think that he was talking to the previous guy. Uh, it wasn't Kevin Feige, obviously. It was somebody below that. But um, but whoever is now in charge of, you know, since Phase 3 began, um, uh, if he had tried to make it in Phase 3, he would have been able to make his thing because I think that they were more, you know, they wouldn't have made Thor Ragnarok in the days of Ant-Man. So He probably would have been in charge of the entire trilogy because Peyton so. Reed signed on for the third one just yeah, recently. Yeah, exactly. So. so they they decided to go slightly safe, safer, you know, the director of Liar Liar territory. <laughs> and uh, which, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but Edgar Wright is a modern, is one of the modern masters of, of genre pastiche. And I think that uh, that I can't wait to see what he's going to do with a more serious, uh, more more serious material. So that is my number five, Last Night in Soho. Comes out in September. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Can't wait. So, uh, moving on to your number four. All right. I think you know where I'm going with this. If Black Widow is not on my list, what do you think is on there? The one that's going to start the whole <laughs> new new phase off, new direction, new decade of these films. Oh, it's, it's Eternals. Yeah. Okay. How do you not? How do you not do this? Like, because <laughs> we're we're both looking forward to Black Widow, but yeah, it's a prequel. I yeah. w- I want to see where they're going to go beyond Endgame. I want to see mm-hmm. what the storyline is. Who's going to be introduced? And the cool thing with this one, Kevin Feige has said it's going to span over like thousands of years mm-hmm. because these are immortal beings that have lived on Earth and kind of shaped our society and civilization, all that stuff for thousands of years. So yeah. I'm They'll curious be, to know how they put their hands in everything. It'll be an interesting shift between a bunch of different production design, I think, yeah. because obviously if it takes place over a thousand of years, I don't think it's going to be linearly. We start at one point and end up a thousand years later. I think no, that it's going to jump back and forth. Right. It's going to be following these different Eternals throughout periods of history and if that's the case i mean they're gonna have to bring their big guns this could be one of those early contenders for production design at the oscars or something you know yeah uh, and visual effects and visual effects but like production design just because of the sets that they're gonna have to conceive of and uh yeah i mean i'm definitely excited for it i don't have any marvel movies on my list or on my top 10 really but yeah i'm I'm definitely excited for it um i think it's just because this is the one that kicks off the everything yeah exactly i mean we're it's it's totally we're because with Black Widow, we're still in the period of time of Thanos, kind right. of, even though now we've seen all of that end, um, and we've gotten a taste of, of of some of the period after it with um, with Far From Home. That is going to be Eternals is going to be the first move into a new era, and then um, you know we might be introduced to the new big villain in that movie, which would be interesting. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, they would they would be smart too, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly I'm excited for it. And like I said, I'm I'm just excited for all of the superhero stuff next year. All women directed. This is from Chloe Zhao, who did mm-hmm. the writer. 
Um, and, you know, I kind of hope that she doesn't just keep doing these movies. I know that she also has another movie this year. Uh, comes out in April, I think, that she had already finished before this. Um, so it'll be a big year for her in the indie world because she'll have that. I think it's a movie with Frances McDormand in it. Um, and then she has this gigantic thing with so many people, Angelina Jolie, Kumail Nanjiani, who's ripped. He uh, released a photo of himself uh, <laughs> recently. It's like, teach me your methods. Um, yeah, please give me that Marvel money for trainers <laughs> and dietitians, please. Right. Uh, so I'm going to be shifting gears entirely. I'm not doing Marvel at all. My next one is a small film from a director I'm actually not familiar with, although she is very uh, popular in indie worlds, especially foreign uh, markets. Um, it is a movie from a director named Mia Hansen Love. I think that's how you say it. And the movie is titled Bergman Island. Now, this one stars Elizabeth Moss um, and Anders Danielson Lee, who I think most will recognize. I, I can't remember who he plays, but he was in um, 22 July last year uh, from uh, Paul Greengrass about the, um, the shooting on the island and uh, wherever that, whatever the country was, Sweden, something like that. Um, anyway, Elizabeth Moss, Anders Danielson Lee, they play an American screenwriting couple who go off to the island where Ingmar Bergman would vacation uh, in order to finish each of their screenplays. They've each got a screenplay that they're doing, and they're going to finish it, and um, weird stuff happens. So this is another psychological thriller of a sort, and I ju I'm a big Bergman guy. I've seen like a dozen of his, maybe 15 of his movies. I think that he's obviously one of the best filmmakers of all time. Um, the, the island that he goes to is one of those things that genuinely is sort of some people want to go to it, especially in the industry, just to visit the space where he created. Um, because it was it was a vacation spot, but it was also where he worked on stuff. And so for them to kind of make this movie and also give it this sort of psychological thriller feeling, I'm excited. And it also has Tim Roth. And this was exciting to see, Vicky Kreps who was in Phantom Thread, uh, who I've not seen in anything since. I think maybe she's done one thing, but it wasn't released here, and I, I don't know. I can't remember what it was called, but I think that she's only done one movie, and so this is kind of her next kind of visible you know, project where she's going to actually get some uh, some notice. And it sounds kind of like Shutter Island. I mean, it's kind of get off in a, like those vibes. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be in that same... It definitely won't, world, but... Right. The way you were but, describing it, I was just like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> weird stuff Wait a happens. minute here. Yeah. But, uh, but it should be interesting, and I love the cast. I think that it's, um, like I said, I'm going to have to see some of Hanson Love's films, but um, she did a movie called um, Eden back in 2014. Um, I think, who was in that one? There was somebody in that one. And then she did uh, Things to Come a couple years ago with um, Isabelle Huppert. Uh, same month, I think, that Elle came out. So it's kind of a big fall for her, and anyway, I just I just think it sounds like a killer idea. This is kind of this is my jam almost. I I don't know when it comes out. I don't think it has a release date yet, but I think that it's in post or it's finished. Uh, so it may be, may very well be a can. Uh, people are thinking that it's probably going to get a can premiere, um, if not a Berlin premiere, which uh, you know. So we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm excited, uh, you know, to see. These actors in this context, is, uh, it's pretty exciting. So that's my number four, um, and I guess we'll move on to your number three. So we've had a pretty great like couple of years with um, musical biopics, with of course with Bohemian Rhapsody and now Rocket Man, which is still such a delightful film. There's always one every year, right? And so this one stands out to me because when you look at stuff like rocket man, like Taron has done a lot of big things. When you look at uh bow rap, you know, uh, Rami has done other big movies and he's really popular on a TV show. Mm -hmm. I've, I don't think I've seen one where the lead is yes, an Oscar winner, but an American idol contestant. Oh. And this is going to be fascinating to see her in a lead role like this to really, sink her teeth into Aretha Franklin in respect. Mm, and who's okay. playing the title character? Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. So that's going to be really cool. She actually could be getting back-to-back, -back, you know, just like get her supporting and her, her right. lead. Yeah. And, and it would be, I mean, if she does that, it, it would be a Christoph Waltz situation where yeah. 
the first they the first time they were nominated they won, and then the second time they were nominated they they won, which doesn't happen very often at all. Yeah, I, I'm telling I'm telling you right now, yeah. if it sounds as good as I'm thinking it's going to be, she's going to kill it. Yeah, yeah. Like not only she is uh, an astounding singer, she has an Oscar for a reason. It's not mm-hmm. like she's just some fluke actress. Like right. So when you have her in this movie, I was looking up the cast: Marlon Wayans, Mark Marin, Mary J. Blige, like. What a weird group of people. But if this this cast and this uh, person, which I don't think has been – has she been tackled in a movie before? Uh, maybe on TV. I don't, I don't right. think she's Not ever like been like big on theatrical big like this. Right, so. yeah. Or if she was, it was like a supporting role or something. I can't remember. It wasn't about her. Right. I don't think she's ever been biographized and on screen before, like on the big screen. Yeah. So we have an interesting kind of proposition because I want this movie to do well. Now, if you're looking at something like Bo Rap, you know, it had Fox behind it. It had a lot of eyes to see it. You know, Rocket Man had Paramount. It, it did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I wish it did better. But then you had stuff like Judy, which I saw earlier this year. And that didn't, like, Roadside didn't really do mm-hmm. anything to kind of, like, push it necessarily into theaters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who's the distributor for this because I think they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But figure that. they need to have people that are uh, trusting this thing to put it in thousands of theaters. I'm mm. telling you, this movie's going to kill. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and Hudson, when she was on American Idol, mm-hmm. was compared to Aretha, Aretha Franklin by some of the judges, and just in terms of how she was seen as this African-American entertainer with this huge voice that just reached to the back of whatever building she was in, right. performing, uh, whatever theater, and... Um, and yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. You know, she wouldn't have been my personal choice to win Best Supporting Actress back in 2006, but she won for a reason. I mean, it's she had the uh, I'm telling you, I'm not going scene, um, which was a great bit of acting through singing and was something that that a, a person in complete control of her performance was capable of doing. It wasn't just a fluke. Um, she did win because she won people's hearts with the role and uh, it, yeah, a pretty good movie and. If there's one thing I'm certain with, with all five of my picks, is that this movie is going to probably be uh, lead actress for sure, maybe even best picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe even supporting with like some wild choices out there with like Marin or like Wayans or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. we could see like this thing dominating next yeah. year. This is the oh, only yeah. one I'm sure about out of my five. Right. My top two, I'm excited for, but I got to keep my expectations right, low because right. I don't know how people are with like big. <laughs> type movies so right right yeah just as long as they don't uh, bohemian rhapsody it up by just kind of avoiding all of the uh any any anything tricky about the story I, they need to be honest with with the story and is, is hers pretty pretty raw i, I don't I, I know much about it i know that there's some there's some rough patches um that's why i like rocket man so much because elton came out and said i'm not gonna hide anything right exactly. I, I did some terrible stuff i'm gonna go ahead and put that out there and you can judge for yourself if i've redeemed or yeah. have been forgiven and she's and she's back in the um the zeitgeist now because of the documentary that came out. Ah, oh, right, the, right. Uh, the thing that had been lost for a while because mm-hmm. Sidney Pollack had shot this footage of her uh, recording um, "Amazing Grace," the right uh, or an album. I don't know if it was called "Amazing Grace," but um, and then it was lost for a while, and it was it was found, and it was kind of roughed up. So they got a new director in or a new guy in to come in and and edit it. Um, and it was pretty popular. Neon released it. People liked it. I don't know how big it was but it was you know people who saw it liked it and uh it's one that i need to catch up with i own it but um i need to catch up with that but yeah she's she's back in the uh back in the uh the zeitgeist just because of because of that so be should be interesting for sure um all right my number three this director is a director i love uh who never lets me down um he makes big Ambitious productions, usually summer entertainments. Chase, I think, may know where I'm going with this. But my number three is Tenet from director Christopher Nolan. Um, never heard of it. Never, never heard, heard of it. it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's sort of a James Bond meets Inception kind of thing, which is just irresistible to me. And I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what it's about. Even the front, even from the. Did the you trailer. say you saw the trailer in front of Star Wars? Uh, I did. Okay. I did. No, 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 no. Yes, yeah, I did because I walked in, and as soon as I walked in, it played. So yeah, I saw it. Oh, saw they it they knew they they knew that you were entering. They and they knew were like, it. We yeah. need to play. They it. were like, okay, now Joel Q. 
<laughs> but uh, no, it just it looks really ambitious. It, you know, John David in this cast is awesome. I just John David Washington seeing him. It's such an interesting turn seeing him in this context after seeing him in Black Klansman. Yep. Uh, it's a really interesting turn, and it tells me that he's what he's doing is he's taking interesting material, because this doesn't feel to me like he's just like he's just taking the easy route with a big blockbuster. Now it'll get him money because Nolan makes money, but right. Uh, it just feels like this is this is definitely not something like Washington, you know, following up this big Oscar contender with something frivolous. This is a it, t- it tells Nolan me movie. that it's that. Nolan probably watched Black Klansman and loved it. Oh yeah, it's probably oh, why yeah. he went for him first and yeah for the lead. I yeah, and for sure, I think that um, uh, it's possible. And so yeah, I just I can't wait. the The concept is crazy from what I can tell, and, it, and it's obviously very. Joel, let's not try still, to sound smart. We have no idea what this movie's about. We, right, exactly. <laughs> it's I mean, just it, a bunch it, of cool things. We just things. see, we just see like it's a weird, a weird version of time. He always, he always plays with time. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the only times he's ever not are with the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. Like he's not played with time. Um, except maybe like that weird jump forward in uh, three months in Dark Knight Rises that nobody knew about. Um, that might be the only thing that he did. But otherwise, even in Dunkirk, which was you know three different events at three different times all leading to the same thing. Still, like you said, it's dealing with time. Yeah, and it's cross-cutting between the two pretty seamlessly <coughs> and all that. It's, um, it's crazy and... Uh, so yeah, I well, just let's continue I, this conversation because that's my number two. <laughs> oh, okay. nice, nice, yeah. nice. I mean, you, you. Um, yeah, good, good luck with that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> there, there is a uh, a can- cannibal dog that's about to like hit the door. Um, <laughs> now uh, we have a crazy house here, but no, uh, t- yeah, tenants my number two. Okay, well, listen, from go. the way I described yeah. the trailer, do you think it was not going to be on my list? Oh, right. And no, no, Nolan I, I has been be. an inspiration since I saw Memento at the wonderful age of like twelve or thirteen, like around when it came out, and I remember seeing like the Batman trilogy. I remember seeing. The Prestige and loving it. It's still my favorite to this day. I saw Inception. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, Tenet is is it's uh, it's it's going to be one that um, is going to have to be beaten uh, in terms of like big blockbusters mm-hmm. that aren't you know a like Marvel or superheroes. Like this is a blockbuster for sure, but it is this is Nolan. Like he's going to Inception it. He's gonna he's gonna play with us for a little bit. He's not going to keep it. You know, simple. This is going to be something right. that's going to be very all over com- the place. Very complex, right. yeah. But very emotional because he he usually has a pretty strong emotional kind of undercurrent. Right. To and, what I mean, it, that's the whole thing doing, with yeah. like Inception. Um, yeah. The thing with his wife. Yep. And, um, yeah. Interstellar is the father daughter relationship. You know. Yeah. They um, they always find that's a little different. This is going to be more. This is going to be more summer entertainmenty than uh, than in, than Interstellar, which was a little more somber, mm-hmm. a little more thoughtful, a little more. It was, Huber, still, it was still an epic, than, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was still an epic, but it was it was less immediately crowd pleasing than something like Inception, which had a lot of action sequences. This is this is going to be answering to that kind of audience, and it's right, which is um, great because Inception came out nine years ago, and by that by the time Tenet comes out, it'll been a full ten years, and it's the same exact yeah. release weekend, I believe, like in July. Yeah, yes, July seventeenth. So yeah, because uh, Inception came out on the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. I remember now, came out on fifteenth of July that year, and. I can tell you right now, if these Batman movies were not successful, the ones that he did, mm-hmm. we would not have we would not have his films because right. Warner Brothers saw that and was like, okay, you do one for us, we'll do one for you, and so like yes. they literally funded whatever he and Jonathan mm-hmm. Nolan had up their you know little noggins, and so yeah, it, it, Batman was, it Begins, was interesting to yeah. watch because you know you had like Batman Begins, which made money, but it didn't actually, it didn't really dictate the future of the prestige which was already in development and right. production by that point but so it gave, that's the, it gave the them more exception. confidence though but then yeah. yeah i mean then he went made dark knight made gazillion dollars and then they and then they said okay yeah sure go make inception because we have confidence in you now right and then and that movie also did well it was like that, 800 that million movie did well and then he did dark knight rises which he probably still just, made a billion dollars by right the way. which he yeah. probably still just made with money he made from the dark knight <laughs> right because it was still laying around and uh, and then whenever Dark Knight Rises was huge, then they were like, okay, now you can do Interstellar. And since then, he's been doing these projects. Now that he made a, a you know, three hundred billion dollars from Dark, from Batman, now he's got this uh, this freedom to do more uh, idiosyncratic kind of 
projects mm-hmm. that are closer to him. I can't wait. And I, I want to know the behind the scenes of how they came up. Like, who approached who for Batman Begins? Because I've heard right. numerous stories that Wally Pfister, who has shot a lot of Nolan's movies, he was like, we're going to shoot a movie about a guy in a rubber suit. Like, they did not <laughs> – it sounds like to me they didn't even want to do it. Right. So I'm like, who roped in who? It did, it did come a full three years after Insomnia. And yeah. I have to wonder if it was just a, a case of they had to – well – Maybe they were sold on him, but then they had to raise funds because he wasn't a name director. So clearly, this was also before Iron Man this as well. Was before, yeah, before really people knew that you know the comeback of superhero movies was a, was a sure thing. And in fact, it was even technically, I mean, the movie came out first, and it was about a year before it, but it was sort of still concurrent to Spider Man Two, which was a huge hit. And yeah, anyway, so we could get in, we could get a whole podcast about his career, but. Now that he's doing these these crazy productions full of just really really weird complex ideas, I can't wait to see what he has up. Yeah, I'm always excited for his movies. He always delivers, and yeah, so that's why it's my number three. It's Chase's number two. Uh, so we have talked about that one, and we're going to move on to my number two, which comes from a director who who does not work off, often enough. The last movie he made was in 2012. Mm-hmm. Before that was in 2007. Before that was in 2000, and the 2001 was his debut. So this is his fourth movie, nine, uh, 20 years after his first one. And it is the director, Andrew Dominic, who made The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford in 2007, and then he did my favorite movie of 2012, and uh, Killing, Killing Them Softly. And he's coming back, uh, presumably this year, although he's another one who takes time, um, with a movie called Blonde. Uh, this one is about – it's a, sort of a fictionalized version of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. Mm. And guess who is playing Marilyn Monroe? Is you it not Margot Robbie? No, it is not. It is Ana de Armas, uh, who is pick, awesome. Yeah. And a breakout this year with, Knife, with Knives Out. She was great in that. Um, or I guess I should, like, should say last year because whatever. But um, but she was great in that. She clearly is is headed for many things. This is probably going to be her first real bid for Oscar attention mm-hmm. i would say if it comes out at the right time i and mean she's he, about to explode with the bond film yeah, yeah yeah exactly she's about to have a really good year um that should definitely up her uh, visibility and uh i mean it's come and 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 if people doubt me i mean we're coming off of a director who who got casey affleck his first uh oscar nomination for assassination of jesse james should have won that award i think but mm-hmm. or well no i was a hal holbert guy but still whatever um, this one can't wait. I don't know much about it. He doesn't release much about the plot. I don't know how it's fictionalized. Uh, I just know that this director has made two great movies that I've seen. Uh, I've heard really good things about Chopper, which was his uh, uh, first film back in 2000 with Eric Bana. But uh, but he's making this. I can't wait. Um, I can't remember who else is in this, but uh, but I do seem to remember that it's a pretty good cast. It's not just her. There's some other people. I, I this I'm is the first time I'm hearing about it. Okay, well, it's it's uh it's one that honestly. So like a couple weeks ago, I was I made this list, and then I had a different. I had my number one and number two are the same thing, but they were switched. Uh, I ultimately decided, oh my gosh, no, no, my number two is now my number one, and I'll get to that in a second. But this was my number one for about a week before I decided something different, and it's because of his involvement, the material. You know, we we saw this with my week with Marilyn back in 2011. We saw a version of Marilyn Monroe on screen just this decade, but still, that was kind of a a soft lob, a director who who is fine, whatever. This is a director who has who has proven himself to be fantastic at making movies and does un, unusual things with his movies. Has a sense of patience and a sense of uh, what he wants to do. Instead of just you know what he needs to do, he doesn't answer to anybody, um, but him. But his own creative art, uh, uh, impulses and and all of that, he just throws ideas at the wall to see what see what um, see what hits. And two times in a row now, it's hit like wildfire for me. So love his previous movies. Can't wait for this movie. So that's why Blonde is my number two. I suspected that title is going to change. I don't know if they're going to stick with that. But if it doesn't. All of my top three are one-word titles, <laughs> so I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my number two. Uh, Chase had not heard of it. Are you interested now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. 
Good. Excellent. Yeah, some of these that you're bringing up, I completely forgot about, like PTA's movie and stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, he's doing that. <laughs> it's just like, it's just when you're doing these lists, you just forget sometimes, and it's like, oh, whatever. I'm yeah, still excited I mean, this, for him, but people should know, like, if a top ten of a of a year is not science, then this is like even less of a science because right. you're kind of just looking out at the calendar and you're like, okay, well, this is coming out, this is coming out, but if stuff isn't dated, I don't think that this has a date yet. For instance, um, mm. uh, Tenet is July seventeenth, but uh, Tenet and Last Night in Soho are the only movies on my list that actually have dates. Mm. And uh, I think so, all all mine have dates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing for me is just like um, I'm assuming that three of these will come out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Bergman Island is the is the most likely because it has been shot already, and I think it's in post production right now. But Blonde, I don't think that they've shot that yet, or they're shooting it now. And then my number one, I don't think they've gone into production on. So I'm hoping, you know, that my number one will be probably really late breaking. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I'm hoping is like, that's the thing about this list. You hope that these are going to come out this year. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I really hope that Blonde does. So I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I don't. Killing them softly and Robert Ford, I don't think I've seen. Man, yeah, oh, they're so great. Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but great things. One of uh, the people I follow on Twitter, huge uh, uh, that director's fan and everything. He loves those movies. So, uh, my number one, it's pretty obvious. It's the most ambitious film probably on this list, even more than The Eternals, because uh, breaking news: Joel and I just got cast in it because everyone else was cast in it. <laughs> Uh, is doing yeah. it's uh it's Denny Villeneuve how do you how do you not pick this like <laughs> I've been a huge fan of this guy ever since we saw Prisoners like mm-hmm. just blown yeah. away in 2013 and then, of course Enemy also was blew on my your mind. top 10 that year yeah. right I think so yeah. still scares the crap out of me with the final shot of the spider uh oops sorry um <laughs> I don't like spiders so like it still freaked me out to this day um so he had made a uh, except for Blade Runner 2049 the other ones were all on your top 10s for yeah. the year right yeah so and I think didn't you say you've gotten a little kinder to Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I mean, I've always liked it. Yeah, yeah. It's just two thousand seventeen was competitive. Oh, okay, right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, me loving like Logan and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. that's never going to move. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you had to make tough decisions. But um, yeah, I, I've always loved his films. Yeah. So if you're going to make this type of film based on this really ambitious sci- science fiction book with everyone casted in Hollywood. How do you <laughs> how do you not get excited for this? Um, it's going to be so interesting to see Timothy Chalamet and Dave Bautista share the screen potentially. Yeah, and Jason he, Momoa and J- and Jason Momoa, right? Exactly. It's like what, what? But <laughs> so. but since we've seen him work with Bautista in Blade Runner twenty four, not a very small role, but mm-hmm. it worked for him. It's going to be the same way with Momoa. Like he's going to yeah. utilize them in very like small capacities, which mm-hmm. you need to do that. Right. <laughs> it's not going to be this Aquaman too. Like, like yeah. only Chalamet is going to be the, uh, the he's the main character. He's the Kyle MacLachlan of the movie. You know what's really funny is that I'm a huge David Lynch fan. I've never seen right. Dune. Yeah, I haven't never either. seen it. I haven't either. Of course, I've not seen very much. David I mean, Lynch. I want to see it because I'm, I'm a huge fan of MacLachlan and of course Lynch. But it's just one of those ones that I just went for the weirdo ones first. I was like, let me watch. I don't know, Blue Velvet. Let me watch like Twin Peaks. And then they're like, what about Dune? I was like, that's too normal for me. Like, I, want, <laughs> I want to see like Lynch just go out there. Um, oh, boy. My favorite uh, to this day is still Mulholland Drive. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. Still great. great. So, But uh, yeah, my number one is, is Dune. Um, now, it is coming out December 18th yes. next year. However, if they're just now starting their post-production. It could be it, moved. Right. Yeah. If they're spending a year on post production, that worries me that they might not make it in time for the right, cut, right? And they might have to pump it into like May or something, right? Which, man, I don't, you know, I don't know what they would do then if they would move it to May or they would move it to something like a September release date because this material doesn't seem to me like it's summer blockbuster. No, to me, you know, it feels like an event, but you don't want to put it in the summer. So yeah, like capture it, capture the would... Star Wars mood. Like they've yeah. been coming out every Christmas, so right. go ahead and uh, pounce on that. Yeah, yeah. there's no Star big, Wars movies for like the next like 15 years. It seems like so go big ahead and just space set right. kind of thing. Which again, yeah, and and by the way, I mean I'm just gonna predict something here, and I'll probably forget, and then it'll happen, and then I'll de- deny that I ever said this. But I will probably say when it gets closer to whenever that movie comes out, if it's December or or not. Like, oh, yeah, this is always my most anticipated movie of the year. <laughs> but, of course, you know, right now I've got it outside my five. But, um, 
Now I am I am curious about one thing. Is this it's Warner Brothers, right? Yes. Okay, so Blade Runner twenty forty nine didn't really do that well for them, right? And I'm wondering if they're going to really kind of put a vice grip on yeah. him in terms of runtime because right. Dune is going to be a massive movie, like you said. Mm-hmm. Are they going to cap it off at two and a half? Are they going to make him do the full three or like? Because right. I'm sure right now he's got like a four hour cut running on the floor right now. Oh right. Probably. So yeah. I'm just curious to know longer like, than that. Yeah, yeah I'm just curious to know how like how long they're going to like you know be Same. willing to have let him have do it. Only this number. Um. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's gonna be crazy. Do we, know the bu- do we know the budget on this yet? Oh, say, say a prayer, folks, because it's probably massive. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was less than two hundred. That's before market. Well, I mean, I know that Cats was like two hundred and ninety-seven million dollars. So. Was it really? Because yeah, on was. box office it said ninety-seven. Oh, maybe it was just. Oh, huh. I thought it was. It was, it was probably about one fifty, one seventy-five, with okay. all said and done with like marketing and stuff. Ignore me, guys. Uh, but it was probably close to two hundred, though. Right, right, yeah. Which it didn't, with Dune, I'm so scared about. <laughs> yeah, Dune. They're hopefully, gonna... hopefully, I mean, not in terms of quality, but hopefully, this is not a failure on that. You know, oh, that one of those I, big, I'm hoping if this failures. is a failure, I, Warner Brothers ain't gonna let him do something like this again. Right, exactly. He's gonna have to go to somewhere, somewhere else, else yeah. Netflix or something, probably. Uh, honestly, I mean, you know, they're not scared of doing 209 minute gangster epics. No, so we're good. All right, my number one. You're probably wondering what. Could possibly top any of those other movies well so i don't even know if chase knows about this movie really hoping he does because i think we've mentioned it before but this director at the beginning of this decade made what i believe to be the modern day citizen king with the social network and so it's the biggest flex for david fincher to take on the story of the writing of Citizen Kane <laughs> for the first year of this new decade, if it comes out this this year, it'll be at the beginning of the decade, whatever the case, even if it's next year. Um, with a movie called Mink, uh, which will pair him for the first time. This is astonishing to me. The first time with Gary Oldman, who's going to be playing Herman J. Mankiewicz, who wrote Citizen Kane, and then my pick for best supporting actor. Of, 2020, of 2019, Tom Burke, who was in The Souvenir, is basically, um, except for one feature of his face, and I don't want to call it out, but one feature of his face is basically an Orson Welles clone, uh, is playing Orson Welles. Uh, and it's about the process of writing and producing the movie, which was very fraught with a lot of drama. I believe that one of the part, one of, uh, the part of the story is that they didn't like each other. And Orson Welles was famously kind of a prickly guy, uh, which makes Burke's casting kind of perfect because his character in The Souvenir was maddening. <laughs> he was he was absolutely maddening, one of the most toxic people in the movies this year, last year, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, but I can't wait. I think that this is um, – I forgot who's writing the screenplay, but I just – I just can't wait. I, Citizen Kane is one of the great movies of all time. I don't care how normal it is to say that. It is a fantastic movie. Is it the greatest? No. But it is one of them. It was one that, that revolutionized film, edit, film editing and film making and cinematography and all that with soft focus stuff. You know, just was a groundbreaking achievement um, in every sense of the word. And for David Fincher, who, you know... I guess, spoiler alert, I haven't liked his movies since <laughs> The Social Network. Sorry, Chase, but to rub the, the salt in the wound. But I think that this has the potential to be his best movie since, easily since The Social Network, maybe even one of his best movies if, he's ta- if he takes the right approach. He works with the same people, maybe. Uh, you know, get get Cronoweth uh, back in there to shoot it because um, I don't think that he's – I think that Cronoweth shot – he shot Girl with Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, right? Pretty sure – so if he just sticks with him, sticks with his editors, Angus Wall and Kirk Baxter, maybe even incorporates Reznor and Ross again um, to do the score, uh, this, has, this has the potential to be one of, if not the best movie of the year. And um, yeah, I just I, it was interesting because I had this and Blonde kind of switched around for a week. And then I was, I was thinking, about it, I was like, man, he made the best movie of 2010. And it was a it was a Citizen Kane story. It was about a, a lonely king on his throne, as he isolates everyone uh, from him and 
nobody loves him anymore. That's Mark Zuckerberg's story. That is a it is a Citizen Kane story. If he can do that, then uh, with maybe this other um, uh, material of the actual writing of Citizen Kane, I mean, it's just perfect symmetry almost to begin this decade with something that is a little more directly uh, um, in reference to his influence for uh, his clear influence for the earlier movie. It just once I got that down in my head, I was like, no competition. This is the one that I'm most excited for. Now, hopefully it does come out. It's going to be a Netflix movie. This is, this is his, um, of course, he's he's gotten a good relationship now because of Mindhunter. Um, so clearly they like working with him. He, he clearly thinks it's, it's worth it. I mean, it probably is because I don't think Gone Girl did well. Uh, did it do well? Did Gone, it did well? Okay. I think it was, no, it was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo didn't do well. I think that was, it did okay. Yeah, that's right. Because it was like right in the middle of December, right after a Mission Impossible movie. It just, nobody saw it because it's tough material. If he can, if he can feel like he's in good hands with Netflix after doing a television show for them, then um, I think he'll be good with a movie, especially because, again, Gary Oldman, probably the best working actor, maybe, um, uh, pairing with him for the first time again, I'm astonished that that hasn't happened yet. Sort of like, um, you know, Scorsese with Pacino. It just feels like Oldman's energy would have been in a Fincher movie already. It's not. I can't wait to see what he's uh, he's got up his sleeve. So, I, I tell you, I mean, I'm looking forward to a lot of movies this year, but this is the one. This is the one that I need the most. I need to see this one the most, and it'll probably be November if anything. But it's, I just, I can't wait. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how Netflix kind of advertises the movie because, mm-hmm. man, they go all out for their movies, and they're going to want to push that for Oscars and stuff. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Especially after um, – I hate to say this, you know, but it, it there is a big possibility that the Irishman could claim the top prize. Right. And if that's the case, this changes the game. Oh, yeah. Netflix is going to be like, all right, we're going to just snack up everything and just <laughs> pump it out there. And so, it's, um, so, it's so interesting because, I mean, to go off on that tangent a little bit, um, if Netflix gets it, it – kind of kills the momentum that we thought might have been building for A24 because you know, A24 kind of you know kind of set their mark uh and then very quickly within 3 years of actually being uh, or 4 years of actually being an active distribution slash production company they won their Oscar for something and then we were like oh well then okay so A24 is going to be this new company we're going to see a lot of these new companies come in but now streaming giant comes in possibly wins best picture now I'm more on the side of I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win, but if it, but which in, in case that would be huge for Sony because they've, they've you mean, you mean the studio that brought us the Emoji movie, yeah, <laughs> most just, acclaimed they're, hit. They're just going to have to tell. They're going to just going to go around telling critics you like the Emoji movie. No, but um, but yeah, just for me, I think it is possibly Once Upon a Time. But if it is the Irishman, yes, you're right. And and uh, but if it isn't the Irishman and maybe it's this, same thing will happen. Right. It just will open up so many doors um that is if they are not run out of business by disney plus but you know eventually because <laughs> yeah we could get into that another day but it is it is uh it is my most anticipated so to kind of recap uh, my list i guess i'll go first on my recap i had number five edgar rice last night in soho uh number four mia hansen loves bergman island can't wait number three chris Rowland's tenet uh, number two, Andrew Dominic's Blonde, and number one, David Fincher's Mank. Um, so yeah, going to be a big year. Chase, what was your list? Number five is the uh, a wonderfully titled Untitled Saw Project. <laughs> we have uh, number four, The Eternals. Uh, three, Respect. Two, Tenet, and one, Dune. Nice, nice. All right. Well, uh, a lot of one one title. <laughs> Literally, wait, was that the? All, almost all of your movies, and in fact, it could it, be... It's going to be funny, because Saw is going to be the only one that's going to have double with it. Maybe. Maybe, unless they just Saw, say Saw. redemption. <laughs> it's going to be something God. stupid like that. I'm going to be like, I'm all for it. Saw, colon, fallen kingdom. Fallen kingdom. <laughs> there we go. Saw, colon, endgame. I don't know. Um, all right, folks. Well, that's the end of this episode. Uh, on our next episode, 308, we're going to be reviewing uh, Uncut Gems. Um, and, and, or 1917, um, I will certainly be talking about that one, if not both of us. So that's going to be exciting. I mean, we both, we both 
uh, either both of us or one of us saw these saw this movie um, in both cases like a month ago. So it's been a while, but uh, but I'm excited to talk about them. So um, that'll be it for this episode. If you want to uh, see my writing, it's at joelonfilm.com. Um, and if you want my ramblings on Twitter, that's at real Joel Copeling. That's R E E L J O E L C O P L I N G. You can search my name on Letterboxd to find my daily progress. And uh, yeah, so Chase, where can people find you? If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Real Chase Lee. If you guys want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at Real Me and Podcast. And of course, if you want to, uh, you know, get up to dates on whenever I put up any review, make sure you subscribe to this uh, podcast feed or wherever you get it on Castbox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, wherever you get it. Make sure you are up to date. I post every single review here. But yeah, that will do it for episode 307. We will see you next week with 308 with 1917 and or Uncut Gems. We will see you guys then. Bye-bye.